You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dear saints, this morning's gospel is a gift. It's a gift unlike any other. Its worth exceeds anything that you could imagine wrapped under a Christmas tree. And yet this morning, the gift is yours. It's given to you. In fact, as the sounds of it struck your ear, as Pastor Wolfmuller was reading from the Holy Scriptures in the lectern, the gift became yours. This isn't an idea or a sentiment that you are getting from your God. Your God is giving you His Son's flesh and blood, born of a virgin, and yet is miraculously, at the same time, the very Son of God. In the nativity scenes that we place underneath our Christmas trees or upon our mantles, we see a representation of Jesus, a little baby lying in a manger. But when you hear the promise, the Word became flesh, the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth, comes to you. Jesus Himself comes to you, and He enlightens your minds with His gospel with His mercy and His kindness. He gives you life. The Christians, we hear St. John's words in the beginning of his gospel, and we marvel, because it turns out heaven itself has landed in our lap. But there are scoffers in the world who listen to the first words of St. John's Gospel and say to themselves, oh, this is just mystical nothing. (laughs) It sounds like nonsense. They imagine that those of us who gather in church on Christmas Day meditate upon cryptic mysteries that defy any sort of coherent explanation. But dear saints, I want you to know this, that St. John's words in his Gospel are not beyond you. They are not too mystical for you. They are not too high for you. It is, in fact, the very gift that you need the most this morning. The gift is this. God is a man. And this God, who is a man, speaks and comforts you with human words and human language. The Holy Ghost doesn't want you to be confused about this. In fact, the Scriptures are crystal clear. The only begotten Son of God, the Son of the Father, the only Son of the Father, is a man, born of the Virgin. And by faith in this man and his word, you now become children of God. When St. John introduces his gospel in this way, he is summing up everything that you are about to read in all the chapters of his gospel. And in fact, I think that in the beginning of St. John's gospel, you find a synopsis of the entirety of the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Spirit lays out everything for you to see. Nothing is hidden. Everything is 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 uncovered. And so this morning we meditate on these mysteries. 
These mysteries that are given to us to believe, to confess, to learn for our comfort and our joy this Christmas. We learn these three things. The Word is God. This Word became flesh. And then finally, this God and man, Jesus, comes to give you the light of His Word and the life of forgiveness. What this means is that the very first mystery and the greatest mystery of the Christian faith is the doctrine of God Himself. It is to meditate on who He is and what He does. Now, every single Jew would have confessed at the time when Jesus was born, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is very true. (laughs) Exactly what Moses and St. John tell us. God is one, infinitely powerful, knowing and good. His being, His essence, is perfect in its simplicity, in its indivisibility, and its glory. Now, compare this against the crass paganism of the Gentiles, right? They set up a whole constellation of idols to worship, which was really just a pantheon of demons. And when we compare it against this doctrine of the one God, you can see how this pantheon of the gods or the demons is laughable in comparison. And as for those who deny the very existence of the divine, the scriptures don't have time for them. King David laughs at them and says, they are fools who tell lies to themselves to soothe their burdened consciences from fear of judgment. And so he teaches us to sing in Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. As many philosophers have over the years, we can both infer God's existence and his attributes. That is, those things that belong to him just by meditating on the works of his creation. St. Paul says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that that have been made. But right here, right, right here, at the point when our reason would boast at having obtained and mastered such a discovery, God messes it up. He gets in the way. Do you know what he does? He speaks. And when he speaks, the reason that we would use to climb up to God, to come to an assurance of his existence, is shown to be nothing but blind ignorance. This is what the Lord says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. God speaks. For, a, for an imaginary God that we would obtain by reason, that is perfect in simplicity <laughs> and is oneness, a Word that exists alongside him. Before even the very first thing of creation was brought into being, that being light, the Word was there, eternal, and God himself. 
God's word is not like human words. Our words, our words are mere representations of thoughts that we have in our heart, right? We bring to mind something that we have inside of us, but it doesn't actually, uh, it isn't exactly the same thing. If I say the word car, a car doesn't appear in front of me. But when God speaks, St. John is telling us that God himself is in the word. In fact, God himself is the word. It is a real manifestation of his being and his heart. The word is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The word is not a glorified creature, as a lot of people out there would claim. We used to call them Arians, though I'm sure there are Christian sects that try to get people to believe this. St. John is explicit about this. The Holy Spirit is using these words to fight against the future heresies that would come into the church. He says, all things were made through him. This isn't that that the Word is the very first creature, but rather, before the creatures ever came into being, the Word was there. All things, all things were made through Him. He is the very God who creates, who is eternal and divine in and of Himself. Now, there's another criticism on the other side of this, the one that is brought against us by people like the Muslims, or perhaps even the Mormons and stuff. They say, Well, doesn't this mean that you certainly believe in a small pantheon, even if it's between two or three gods? No. St. John is also clear about this. God remains one. He never uses a plural form of the word God. But rather, there is God and the Word. There is God with the Word. The Word is God. There is a unity of substance there. And the confession remains true. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Like I said, this is the first and greatest mystery of the faithful who have received these words of St. John in faith. It's not given to us, by the way, for scientific analysis to be put upon a dissection table to be destroyed and deconstructed so that we can get behind it to uncover its mysteries. It is a true mystery. One that shows how creaturely we really are, how finite we are, how impossible truly it is for us to comprehend God himself. But that doesn't mean that God isn't pleased to give of himself, to give his word to you, his creatures, so that you can know him and so that you can worship him in truth. Now, among men, when we speak, our words give a clue as to the condition and the kind of heart that we have, right? When I speak and I tell lies, you discover something about my character. I'm a nefarious fellow, you know. I'm untrustworthy. But not, that's not something you discover about God. But it is still true that when God speaks, you learn something about Him. So what is it that you learn? 
You learn that He desired your creation. He wanted you to be in this world. That He has life in Himself, and yet, by speaking it, He puts this life into this world, and He makes you. And creatures like you, and a place for you to live, and friends, and family, and gifts, and everything that you hold dear. God wants you to have all of these things. Now that, in and of itself, should drive us, necessarily, to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. But then Jesus tells us, despite what we have learned about God in His heart, and His love to create and sustain us, men loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Our evil works prove the condition of our hearts, and they are in darkness. We don't love God who created us, who sustains us, but we chase after the the constellation of idols, right? The demons that are vying for our attention, that only want to devour us in death. We lust after things that aren't ours, that God hasn't given us, and we despise those things that we have that are given to us to make us happy. Our hearts are in darkness, and more than that, they are in death. St. John writes this, The light shines in the darkness. Do you know what this means? This means that God isn't happy to merely create you and to sustain you by His providence. This means that God is going to save you from your sin, from your darkness that is leading into death. The light is coming into the world. When God speaks, you hear of a passionate desire to save His creation. Now, how far will He go to do this? The Word of God, by which all things were made, becomes one with His creation. He became flesh. The Word assumed and united with your human nature. The Son of God is now your brother. Now, how does this happen? This is the second great mystery of the Christian faith that has been given to us by St. John to believe. The angel said to Mary, Gabriel said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is as close as we'll ever come to an explanation of the Incarnation in this life or even in the life to come. Here the Lord merely says, (laughs) the impossible has happened. My son is now your flesh and bone. And this is where we, friends, bow down in faith and in fear and worship. This is where all our reason ends as we marvel at the power of and the wisdom of God.
This is too much for us to understand. It's articulate, we can say it clearly, that the Son of God is a man. And he has a name, Jesus. But it is not a mystery, once again, to be set upon the dissection table, to be destroyed so that we can figure out what's behind it. Now, merely uniting with our nature and becoming a man isn't enough to save us. It's not as if you can drop one uh, bit of chlorine into a polluted bucket of water and suddenly it's drinkable. In fact, St. John is clear about this. Jesus came into the world, and yet our hearts remained in darkness. St. John writes, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. What does it take? What does it take to save you now that God is man? What does it take to receive him, the king of creation among us in our world? Do you redouble your efforts to escape from the darkness of your corruption that you've had since birth? Do you prove that you can be a good and godly man only if you try hard enough? Maybe then Jesus would be kind enough to come to you. Dear saints, the darkness not only doesn't comprehend the light, it is incapable and totally without any sort of means to comprehend it, to understand it, to grasp it, to come to it. There is nothing good enough in your nature to grasp the light that has been lost because of sin. Darkness is an apt metaphor. Darkness doesn't become light in and of itself. The darkness must be illuminated by light from without it. But the Word became flesh. The light came to you as your brother. And this is the third great mystery of the Christian faith. Jesus comes to you. Not to demand works and service from your hands, but to serve, to shine, and to dwell among you so that you would know the glory of God and the love of the Father. The glory of God is this. It is not the Father's will to punish you because of your sins or to obliterate you because you are darkness. The glory of God is that He saves you, sinners, with His own Son's divine flesh and blood, suffering it to be lifted up upon a cross. The Word became flesh for this purpose, to die for you. Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The cross of Jesus, His pierced hands, His pierced feet, the hole in His side put there by a spear, 
This is truth and grace from God. The word spoken from the cross, from the very same voice and source that brought all of creation into existence, redeems it in one utterance by saying it is finished. In that word, the darkness in this world and in your souls has been overcome. And this is the word that saves you today. And it is because he has said this word from this cross that his body and his blood are given you to comfort, to strengthen your faith, and to save you. By faith you receive this word. St. John writes, For you who do receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To God alone be the glory. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.